Hey guys, no fun intro today. I actually wanted to jump on and record a quick disclaimer before this episode. I switched microphones in the last week or so, and my audio has been completely terrible. So what you're going to listen to, or at least not up to my standards, so what you're going to listen to in this pod is between me and Mike Cools, and we had an amazing conversation comparing player props in the gambling market with fantasy ADPs and draft positions. I guess DPs is draft positions. DPs could be a lot of things. I guess this is a fun intro. Anyways, please just give it a good listen. About five minutes in, we really got rolling and had an amazing conversation. But I apologize for my audio. He sounds amazing. I sound like absolute trash. We both know what we're talking about. And the content came out phenomenal. So please bear with my shitty audio. And give us a listen, and I promise before next week's episode, I will have it sorted out. Thank you guys as always. Here it is. everybody welcome in today i have a very special guest joining me he is the host of the nfl fantasy today podcast also known as the fantasy road show it is mike cools cools how you doing welcome to the pod it's been a while since we've you know kind of been introduced to each other in the sports ethos world but today's our first time jumping on a pod together so i'm very excited to do it thank you for the time thank you for being here how are you doing today fiddle thanks for having me on brother uh yeah it's been a while a couple months since we've uh since we've kind of had our first introduction in the wagering division. Um, so uh, it's good to uh, finally jump on the pod, have a conversation. Thanks for having me. I'm doing good and excited to uh, talk some fantasy football. And I'm excited to talk football in general. Like, Yeah, we're today, today is actually a really exciting conversation for the people who are just entering this space and just joining this episode. Today's pod is uh, is about comparing my world in the sports gambling era like ethos and taking Mike's world two mics on the pod and two mics on mics and going through fantasy ADP. So what we're going to do is use gambling prop markets to help us better understand fantasy ADPs or vice versa using fantasy ADPs and where players are being bought or sold to help us indicate how we are going to play things in a prop market. So I think correlating these fantasy and gambling angles is going to be a very interesting conversation to have. Couldn't pick a better person to have it on because, like you mentioned, our first introduction came in a wagering space. So I knew you were a wagering guy. I knew you had eyes on bets for, for many months. So now that you've taken over my guy JP's pod and you're fucking running with it and crushing it, uh, I think you said you've done 42 episodes in the last two months. You're absolutely dominating. I've done 130 in a year and a half. So good on you for grinding. I, I needed to find somebody who's been grinding out fantasy football knowledge who could then meet me halfway because I've been grinding preseason priors and and betting stuff. So I think we're the perfect combo today to take on how do ADPs and draft props relate in this world? Yeah, man. Um, so I appreciate the uh, props on the pod. Yeah, it's at Fantasy Roadshow. Um, it's formerly... You know, well, still and formerly, we were joking around how it's a little confusing. Um, Fantasy NFL Today on Spotify. 
Um, so, you know, I will it's draft tweet, season. So. Mike, I'll tweet out your handle, and I know you tweet out all of your episodes. So, I mean, pretty much everyone here follows me on Twitter or X. Just go to my my Twitter, my Twitter, and then just go go over to link to Mike's, and you will see all of his episodes there. They're also on the Sports Ethos YouTube page, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, every we we do video, put it live on every uh, on YouTube.com slash Sports Ethos. But anyways, it's draft season, so we're doing two days right now. Uh, either a mock draft or a best ball live draft every day, uh, on top of our already you know five uh five episodes a week schedule so it's been fun uh definitely kind of um been seeing everything been seeing the whole adps rise and fall based on news i know we're going to talk a little bit about that today um but yeah super excited i definitely think you and i are a great uh combo on here um obviously as you said met in the wagering space we also have very different brains and different approaches um like basically the opposite side of the spectrum in terms of, you know, you have a very high analytical um, numbers, just, you know, I, I respect and think very highly of your, your math brain. Uh, whereas I'm kind of just eye test and sling it, right? Like, so, that's- so I think the best way to describe this is I know that I don't know shit about football. Like, I know that I'm not watching a defense. And I talked about this on a recent pod with Doug. Like, I'm not watching a game and being like, they're in 12 personnel. That's a nickel formation on defense. Like, I don't know these things enough to make my football brain able to bet these things and evaluate these things beyond what I know the sports book can do. So I just rely on the sports book's indicators and the way that they're moving numbers around. So for my brain, whereas you have the ability to actually watch the game and say, okay, I understand what these teams and philosophies are trying to do. And then if that comes to a success or I, I, I foresee that they're going to have trouble in this spot because of the, the, the philosophy of the way this team operates. And you're kind of seeing and, and future building based on football world. I'm philosophy and future building based on a numbers market. So I actually think getting again, we are the perfect combo for this thing. The other thing I quickly wanted to promo before we get into it is something that you're going to be part of, which is the high stakes fantasy listener league for my pod. And we could plug it on yours as well. But we have recently in the sports ethos world launched a $500 entry high stakes fantasy football salary cap draft auction league, whatever you want to call it. You can come take me and Mike on. You could bring a friend. You could split up the entry fee. You could have a lot of fun with us. I think this is going to be an incredible year to do that, Mike. Uh, There was like I, I looked up a lot of other listener leagues between me and you. And they were all like either free 99 or like 25 bucks. And I was like, I'm not playing for no lunch money. Like if we're going to do yeah. this, if we're talking to high level gamblers on a pod, like we got to put our money where our mouth is and play for some high stakes. So uh, I look forward to you and potentially splitting a team with truck. We'll see if truck wants his own team. Truck is who Mike hosts the podcast with. He's always driving a truck as he's in his, in his YouTube things. But thankfully, he's not looking at the camera. So safety first for him. Yeah. And he's still giving out fantasy dimes left and right. So if anyone is listening to this pod right now and wants to come play against us, simply reach out to me on Twitter at FiddlesPicks. Reach out to Mike on Twitter at Cools underscore sports. Join the Sports Ethos Wagering and Discord channel. Just simply reach out to us on any way you know how, and we will try and get you in that league. It is a little first come, first serve, and we have about five or six slots left. So, So try and get in there quickly. 
Moving on to finally starting today's topic of conversation, Mike. I reached out to you with the thing of let's compare ADPs and fantasy. You said to me, give me a little bit of time. I'm going to work on a document. And then a week later, I get this mega fucking document, this absolute gold mine of an Excel sheet that has every single player's FanDuel props, DraftKings props. It is comparing them. We're not only talking rushing yards, we're talking receptions, we're talking passing touchdowns, we're talking rushing touchdowns. You were all over your shit. So my first thing I want to start off with, when you looked at the entire landscape of NFL player props, whether it be uh, touchdowns, rushing yards, whatever, what was the one thing that stood out to you most? What was your biggest takeaway from creating a goldmine of a research document? which we are not going to share with our podcast audience because something like that is too good and you did too much work, that I need to be like, eh, I can use this and give out some bets, but this is, this is too knee-deep in the weeds for me to give out for free. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, like, my biggest takeaway, honestly, it's just, like, statting out wide receiver rooms because, you know, with ones off the top of my head, Chargers, Panthers, Seahawks, Browns, Ravens, like Ravens. these are wide receivers. definitely one I want to talk about yeah. today. Yeah, like these are wide receiver rooms that there's just so many different moving parts, like who, you know, you know, you add a Quinton Johnston into a Keenan Allen and Mike, Mike Williams offense. Um, they, they get them, they draft them in the first round. They intend on using him, right? It's not a Josh Palmer that's going to kind of like fit in where he fits in. They're going to use Quentin Johnson. Um, JSN, same thing. You know, DK, DK and Lockett have been there and have had a lot of success. Well, how does JSN fit into that? Um, and then someone like the Panthers, that's a whole different wide receiver room. You got Thielen, you got Chark, Mingo, um, Hayden Hurst. Like, so, so specifically, someone like the Chargers, in my mind, I am huge on Herbert this year. I think with Kellen Moore, I think that offense is going to be awesome. He had everything go wrong for him last year, but is truly one of the most talented arms in the NFL. So I didn't know. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I want a piece of that offense, but I don't know where to get it. I didn't love Keenan Allen at his ADP. I didn't really love Mike Williams at his ADP, and I just didn't know how that was going to stat out. So look at the props see them next to each other. And that was like a very good way in my mind to see what are the Vegas lines? How can we stat it out and make it make some sense? What did you learn specific to that charger situation when you looked at them? Did it make you feel any way about props or ADPs on any of those guys? So honestly, like best ball, I it made me probably say pass Keenan Allen really pass on all three receivers and go for Gerald Everett. Um, and his ADP I don't know is if I can release this podcast before my own fantasy football draft, Mike. You're already <laughs> screaming out names that I hope that people in my league don't know. And I just invited everyone who's listening to this podcast <laughs> to a listener league. And now they all fucking know that I want to stack Herbo and Everett. Can you please be quiet as we continue yeah. the rest of the podcast? Okay, keep going. Yeah, we might have to. Uh, we we might have you, to have the, no the release. To <laughs> we might have to have the release after the the podcast release after our drafts. So we don't give away all the secrets. But yeah, I mean, like Everett's ADP one hundred and eighty point seven. I mean, uh, his overall ADP tight end nineteen. Um, if you want a piece of an offense that I think could have you know five thousand yards passing, just top one of the top years out of any quarterback. 
then I'm not really looking at, you know, wide receiver 19 Keenan Allen. Uh, there's other guys I like in that, in that range, Mike Williams, like all the talent in the world, but what, when is he going to break out? I feel like he should have already. Is it going to be in a Kellen Moore offense that's, that throws the ball more? Probably, but still, um, at wide receiver 29, there's other guys I like there. So then Quentin Johnson, that starts to, you know, wide receiver 49, that kind of starts to uh, make me interested in because – uh, let's look at he. Uh, He's kind Jeff of Kings like has, an upside later round that can also yeah. be viewed as like a sort of handcuff wide receiver type. Where if like Mike or Keenan yeah. were to get hurt and ha- look at what happened to them last year, I was starting. Who was the guy yeah. after Josh Paul? DeAndre Carter. Mike, Carter. I started yeah. DeAndre Carter way too many times last year between me and you. What a disappointment. But this year, that yeah. that could be Quinton Johnson, who's you know a rookie first-round receiver who we know these last few years how rookie first-round receivers tend to perform. Yeah. So I actually I actually completely agree. Uh, how does this make you feel? I just While we're on Chargers, let's let's get a little specific there. How does this make you feel about Eckler at the top? Is, are you, is he someone that you are striving for? Because he's in this weird situation where like, I do like Eckler for the reasons that his contract was shifted this offseason where he was yeah. given more incentive-based stuff. So I do feel like the Chargers are going to try and get him his money. And I like that's what teammates and players do. We've seen Brady trying to get his, his Mike Evans 1,000-yard receiver, his Godwin bonus, his Gronk bonus every year. So we've seen quarterbacks hook up their position players when it comes to incentive deals and Eckler's on a strong incentive deal this year that could really escalate his money on the flip side of that we've seen the last few years the Chargers have been looking to try and find someone to help complement him and they've really just come up short whether it be Sony Michelle or some other names that have circled through Josh Kelly I'm sure there's a few others is this a year where we're finally like Eckler has no one around him and we understand that they're going to try and feed him or is it like, wait a second, they've actually tried to get him a viable backup for the last three years. They're still going to try and do that. Right. I'm so confused on the Eckler situation. So while we're talking chargers, let's talk through that. Yeah. I mean, they have Isaiah Spiller who they thought was like for sure going to be that guy. And a lot of the fantasy world thought that as well. Um, He didn't really, I think he, he he got a little bit of opportunity and didn't run away with it, which turned a lot of people off to Spiller. You're not going to like my answer for the Eckler thing because, quite frankly, I know it's not a good one. Um, but I've just never personally been an Eckler guy. And sometimes when I like miss out on a couple years of extremely high performance from someone like that, it's tough. I just kind of buy in at, at, at right, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly. I, I, no, yeah. It's, it's not a bad answer, and and you're the eye test guy, right? So you've been saying I'm. This yeah. is based on what I've been seeing and the way I've been feeling. I also I'm like, he's been durable and he's been an end zone machine the last few years. Machine. Those are two yeah. things that I'm not completely certain are necessarily ability to roll over year to year, right? I would feel like injury luck in a running back position might start to go the other way. I would think of touchdown regression would start to go the other way. The things I like to bake into are things like 
the yards, the receptions, the things, and he should be pretty steady. But my concern is like, is are they only going to want him to get 16 touches a game instead of 22, 23, 24? So it's really a volume thing at the start. His rushing prop, while we are talking about all this stuff, we do know he's very viable in the receiving department. So like a large portion of his uh, yards are going to come from receiving situations. But his prop is only 775. So... DraftKings, it's 810. FanDuel, it's 750. BetMGM, it's 799. So, like, it doesn't really, like, Aaron Jones has a higher prop line. Brees Hall is 100 yards higher. Travis Etienne is 125 yards higher. So, I think I'm actually, I really love the Chargers. I really love bringing in Kellen. I really think what we talked about is adding Quinton Johnson throws a wrench in the entire skill positions from a fantasy perspective. I am a little concerned about what it does for Gerald Everett, but you're paying such a minimal price for him that it makes a lot of sense. Um, I skipped the one thing at the start of like, what is the basic idea of comparing ADPs versus props? I think we just answered it within that Chargers example, Mike, where we're the whole basic premise of this is to say, where are we buying and selling value? Where are we then getting a player who... I personally trust DraftKings and FanDuel's pricing on these things way more than a Yahoo or ESPN projection because Yahoo doesn't have so much money on the line. Yahoo doesn't have people betting hundreds of thousands of dollars cumulatively on a Saquon or a Derrick Henry rushing prop. I don't know if DraftKings have that much, but in general, the sports books do. So we can go towards the sports books to have the most accurate and sharpest prop lines. So when you're starting to compare a Travis Etienne, which you can get at the 3-4 turn with an Eckler. Uh, and the, the variable seems to be that touchdown end zone efficiency. Is, is, is Etienne going to get pulled on third down and in the red zone for a guy like Hasty or Bigsby? Is Eckler going to stay in there and take these big hits? Those are, the, those are the forecasts that you're making. But you can see in the prop market that there's a 150, 200-yard difference between some of these players and the ADPs say completely otherwise. So the value of doing this is either to find, whoa, Travis Etienne's rushing prop is way too fucking high. Or, whoa, Austin Eckler's draft position is way too high. Or, whoa, Etienne's draft position is way too low. So uh, we're not telling you how to feel about these. We're simply pointing out some of the discrepancies and then putting some context to them and kind of how we feel. You are open as a listener to take and run with these how you want, whether it means buy, sell, bet, or fade. You can do any of those things. Just note that these discrepancies clearly exist between gambling and fantasy, and we could use those to help each other in both spaces. Yeah, I want to say one thing about the ADP versus props too. Like, So props, I almost view as Vegas has a lot of data going into these numbers, whereas like draft ADB, a lot of that can be like, public narrative right yep. or like assumptions made on like a theory that they that that the public has made on a certain player and their upside this year so fantasy it's almost it like kind of mimics like a like almost like an mvp or like a futures awards market where like everyone's trying to buy on justin fields and so the sports book has a lot of liability on that fields mvp ticket so that one might be weirdly mispriced but these like over under on yardages are pretty much yeah. priced where they're supposed to be. These are 50-50 lines that we are getting the best of. So I really like that kind of, it's a public-driven space, ADP. It's a sharp-driven space with the prop market. So I think that's very helpful. Yeah. Let's go through a few other situations, Mike. We had, 
Zeke signed to the Patriots yesterday. Yeah. We had Dalvin signed to the Jets uh, yesterday. And for the last 24 to 48 hours and probably for the next 72, all of NFL Twitter and fantasy football Twitter cannot figure out how these players are going to affect the incumbents. How is uh, Dalvin going to impact Brees Hall? How is Zeke going to impact Ramondre Stevenson? I love Ramondre. He was my guy. So now I'm like, do I back off a little bit? For me, I found myself yesterday betting Ramondre Stevens under 1,000 yards. I was Mr. Ramondre 48 hours ago, but news changed. I noticed in the prop market, FanDuel dropped Ramondre's prop to 850. I think they had it at 925 prior, and they dropped it 75 yards, which created a 150-yard market discrepancy from DraftKings, which had it at 1,000.5 yards and juice towards the under, and they just left it right there. I think it's still there at DraftKings right now. So 150 yards, a 75-yard impact from Zeke, a one touchdown. You happen to mention that Ramondre's touchdown total went down one as well. I would say it's probably threatened to go down even further than that with how Zeke, yeah. how good Zeke is around the goal line. So now we're starting to understand Ramondre, probably not a 1,000-yard rusher, probably not a 10-TD kind of running back he's gonna more float in that rb2 zone with some upside but like we know patriots are going to funnel this stability back they're not going to overwork someone they're going to like the way zeke handles pass pro and goal line work and all that stuff so we have actual data to understand how is ramondre going to impact or how is zeke going to impact ramondre mike you want to touch on the dalvin to uh news at all and how you're feeling there yeah so in terms of fantasy, like, I don't really know, to be honest. Like, I think Dalvin probably, I, I just think, like, Aaron Rodgers put that, that's where some of Aaron Rodgers' money went towards, is he's like, I want another experienced veteran, like, star um, in, in, in the offense. And Dalvin Cook was the answer for them because, you know, Brees Hall is coming back from that injury. I think he's going to be healthy, and I think he's going to be outstanding. But to have that, you know, two-back um, backfield with with now Dalvin Cook to kind of carry maybe a little bit more of that load early on in the season and then um, production split, you know, flip once Brees Hall is humming. Because he was, he was on pace to be an RB, top five RB, uh, Brees Hall was. Um, he was incredible. And I think... Yeah, and I think he's one of those athletes that is just, you know, freakish to where his recovery time is going to be a lot quicker and a lot stronger. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just think, like, it was one of those things where Dalvin Cook was floating out there a little bit longer than he had probably hoped, and the Dolphins kind of seemed like they were turning off on him a little bit, and... um Jets came in and it was just a, such a good fit. And listen, we have seen Rodgers be able to support two running backs. Um, I think we're going to see that again with Cook. But, you know, for him to come out right when the news broke and his over-under for rushing is set at 600 and a half, um, and depending on the book, four and a half or five and a half touchdowns, that's a lot of production, right? Um, so, Brees Hall's numbers aren't out, at least not that I could find on DraftKings. So I just found them, Mike. 
Breeze's okay. is eight seventy five, literally everywhere. Um, okay. Actually, Caesars has it at seven fifty, but DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, all at eight seventy five. Um, those did not come out. To your point, I was trying to look up what it was a few days ago when you sent me the document. There was clearly, you know, whispers in the in in the streets that Dalvin was going to sign with the Jets. I mean, was going to be on Hard Knocks before he was even on the team. So yeah. they were yet to put out those player prices. Now we actually have them. It definitely feels uh, like based on the pricing of these lines, Dalvin's going to be one of the highest end backups in the NFL. We know he's probably going to have a bigger workload at the start of the season because Brees is coming off yeah. the injury. That makes me want to take Dalvin's over and want to buy in on Dalvin's ADP because if the Jets start off really well, then they're not going to change things too much, right? They're not going to overly complicate how they're running their packages and how they're splitting their snaps if at the start of the year – it's been a really good timeshare between the two guys. Maybe it's 55 Dalvin, 45 Brees. The Jets have a daunting fucking schedule for the first six weeks. So how the Jets come out of that schedule the first six weeks, if they're 4-2 and two with a 55-45 split and Brees goes to the coaching staff and tells Salah, like, hey, man, I feel great again. I feel 100%. Salah's looking at him and going, all right, but we are 4-2. and two. We just got through the hardest part of the schedule. We're actually going to keep things exactly how this is because we have so many plans for you later in the season, for next year, for future years, for all these things, that this balance is actually working for winning football. So I tend to lean yeah. more, potentially take a Dalvin over and buy a Dalvin ADP, and I am for sure selling all Brees shares right now. Like, I don't want to have yeah. Brees in a fourth-round pick. I don't want to have Brees in a fifth-round pick. I think at this point, sixth or seventh round becomes sort of an upside swing. I put Brees in the slightly better than the DeAndre Swift's types of potentials. I think Brees took a huge hit in fantasy yesterday. Yeah, um, I agree. So one of the analogies I always use with running backs is mileage on a car. Um, so if you have a one-year rental on Dalvin Cook and you have a face of your – I mean, at the end of the day, Brees Hall could be one of those face-of-the-franchise-type running backs. Just like you have him coming the Giants. Exactly, ex exactly. So if you have a face of your franchise um, coming back, you know, year two coming back from a bad knee injury like that, and you have a year rental on Dalvin, he starts hot just like Mike's saying, I mean – you're going to put mileage on that car, right? You're winning football games. He is a proven running back in the NFL. If he looks young and looks good, you're going to use that mileage. Make sure Brees is ready to go. And once you get late, later towards you know playoff time, then you're kind of full go on maybe both of those backs. But um, I totally agree. That start of the year is, is really tough. I'm interested to see if the Jets can put it together early. Um, you know, I, it could easily be one of those Rogers years where start things start a little slow. He's telling everyone to relax, uh, in, in the post game interviews, and then they kind of turn things on late in the season. But, um, I agree, you know, let's see Dalvin cook puts up a two, a couple hundred, hundred yard rushing games early in the season. And that 600 over under 600 is now cut down to 400 with a full season to go. So, all right, I'm going to ask you to rank three players and you tell me based on opportunity, talent, all these things, who you are taking straight up 
in a draft. So if these players were all at the exact same draft position, which is the order in which you're taking them, let's bring yeah. in Dalvin's former teammate, Alexander Madison, and then throw both Dalvin and Brees in there. So Brees, Dalvin, and Madison, who are you taking first, who are you taking second, who are you taking third? Oh, man. I'm taking Brees first just because of the talent. Um, and then I'm probably going Dalvin, then Madison, because I'm just really not a Madison guy. Um, to be honest, he's going to have a great opportunity there. I just like from looking at the talent, I'm just really not a huge Madison guy. Um, I think that Ty Chandler looked great and that RB2 in the Vikings this year is like, I think can have sneaky, have some sneaky value. Um, you know, I've now said twice that I'm not a Madison guy, but I could see him getting that three-down bell cow roll early in the season and really not being what Dalvin was with that Just opportunity. Pretty with it, right? Yeah, right? Just like he gets the yards that are in front of him, but not where Dalvin can turn on those boosters and go. Um, so for me, I just like – I'm a big talent guy, and yeah, there is an opportunity. They're going to give him everything, you know, they're going to give Madison every opportunity. But if Ty Chandler is catching four balls a game and, you know, having a couple broken tackle good runs, you're going to see him start to chip away at that production split. So I think I agree with you. I think it's Brees first still. And then I think it goes probably Madison and then Dalvin for me. Um, And I agree. You draft for talent. You draft with talent in mind because talent is what wins at the end of the day. You stream for opportunity. So in a in yeah. a given week where Ty Chandler might be the starter, he suddenly becomes a better play on that given week than Brees or Dalvin if Madison's injured and the other two are splitting carries. But we can deal with that on a week-to-week basis. I think there's so much more value to be found in the streaming market than people really anticipate. So yeah. I would say draft for talent. Draft with what you think is the best. This guy is the best at football amongst these bunch. I actually think the Jets are going to be a way better team. I think the Vikings might have absolutely no defense and need to throw the ball a ton. So I would be concerned if you know Madison's second half rushing numbers are just down the drain because they're in catch-up mode. Um, but it's an interesting thing to compare talent versus opportunity versus expected volume versus timeshare situations. And I think... One other great place to do that is in a wide receiver room. And I was looking through the props and I saw a number two on a, on a team that I kind of like versus a number one on a team that I'm selling and fading. And those two guys, Mike, were a fellow Mike in Michael Pittman who had a draft prop, which was the exact same as Christian Kirk. So I looked at, is this a, you get a number one, in an offense because he's the number one target in an offense, even though there might be a pretty shitty passing game, even though they might not, they might be a run for first organization with Richardson and Jonathan Taylor, or do we just go into a high powered potential offense that is going to be throwing a lot and take the number two receiver in that situation? It's a kind of similar question, but this time I'm actually taking people who have the exact same prop and wondering how do we handle this? Yeah, so I always go with the offense, and like this is an easy one for me because, in my mind, like I have the Jaguars taking a massive step forward this year. I just think Trevor Lawrence is an awesome quarterback. I think they have a legitimate wide receiver one, and Christian Kirk kind of 
moves back into that role that I think he's most comfortable at wide receiver too. I mean, I don't put too much, um, I don't put too much value or thought into preseason, but Trevor Lawrence found him again in the end zone. Like he just finds the end zone. Um, he's probably Lawrence's most favorite tar- or his favorite target when it comes to red zone, uh, you know, looking for receivers in the red zone. And yeah, I mean, I just saw uh, DraftKings has 70 and a half, 825 and a half and five and a half touchdowns um, for Kirk. And then Pittman, 74 and a half, you know, 800 and four and a half. So, um, I just, I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains for the Colts. I think they're going to be really bad. And if they don't figure out Jonathan Taylor soon, that's going to be really bad. Um, if they don't give him a new deal or trade him and he's just kind of stuck there unhappy without a deal, the Colts are going to be in a situation where you have a, your best player on offense is unhappy and not really giving you anything and a young quarterback who has all of the um, athletic potential in the world but is going to go through growing pains, and he's just going to have you know his best player not happy in the backfield. So I, I'm kind of just staying away from the Colts right now. I, um, I read recently that there's been five times in the last 28 rookie quarterbacks. I thought this was an interesting stat. Five times in the last 28 rookie quarterbacks that they were able to deliver a top 36 wide receiver. So that's not yeah. only 28 wide receivers. That's that's 40, 50 that are going deep because two or three are on a team. So to only have five out of 28 quarterbacks to be able to deliver a startable, streamable wide receiver made me kind of want to fade the Pittman and just play into the better quarterback situation. So I agree. I lean Kirk there. Kirk's done it. Even though Pittman's done it before, so has Kirk. Like Kirk has proven himself to be a wide receiver, at least between two and three, the past few years in a fantasy sense. I think we can bank on that again. We know the coach of the Jaguars, as you say, the Jaguars is all say, is a is a former quarterback himself, Doug Peterson. He's going to want to throw the ball. We have Lawrence going into year three, year two with an actual coach. Um, of course, the Urban Meyer debacle is well documented. Um, so yeah, I, I, I lean more Kirk myself. Let's go through another, a few other wide receiver room situations, Mike. You said that that was probably the best, most illuminating thing that you use this exercise for. I completely agree. And I found two situations that were incredibly interesting. Would you like to talk about Ravens or Chiefs first? Um, let's go. Uh, let's go Ravens. Just right. here's what I'm seeing. Uh, I, I there's the so Ravens. much going on with the Chiefs. Yeah, um, the Chiefs might be a complete landmine. But for the yeah. for the Ravens, on the other hand, Zay Flowers seems to be the hottest name in all of preseason. We talked about Quinton Johnson. We talked about Jackson Smith and Jigba as two rookie wide receivers who are coming into really good offenses. The guy getting the most buzz through training camp has to be Zay Flowers right now. His prop, to me, is alarmingly low. I actually like his over as one of the best bets on the entire board. It is 500 yards flat at DraftKings with just straight minus 110 odds to both sides. So I'm very interested in that. But then I'm looking at the other guys and I'm looking at Bateman and his prop yard is 600. Or I'm looking at Odell and it's 575. And I'm like, whoa, according to the props, 
Zay Flowers is the wide receiver three, but what we're hearing from camp is very, very different, right? So how are you approaching this room? Is this a, I want to buy Zay Flowers in fantasy? Is this, I want to buy a Rashad Bateman in fantasy? Because he's probably going after Zay Flowers and he's projected from DraftKings to have more stuff. For me, this is a, I don't know if I want any of them in fantasy, but I what I really want is Zay Flowers over 500 yards for the season. Yeah, I totally agree. So, um, and this is like, my football brain, how it works. I think Mark, well, first of all, you have Todd Munkin coming to that offense. They're going to be um, a completely different offense than we've seen in the past. Dobbins is back on the field. Lamar's paid. Um, I just think everything is a little bit more stable from like an off the field standpoint. And then you have Mark Andrews, totally healthy. Um, Zay Flowers, the way that he is just so quick and shifty, give him the ball and he's going to make plays that just seems to sound like it's going to work with Lamar, right? That's the type of quarterback was a few years ago. Yeah. And like, and then you have the way that he's going to compliment Mark Andrews. Um, I just think that works so well. Um, and I want to see it live, but Zay flowers is so shifty. He's so quick. Um, you get him the ball, in space, which Andrews will create, which Bateman, being as good of a deep threat as him, will create, gives A the ball, and they're going to just keep feeding him. So I love that 500 and a half. Um, is it I a totally situation agree. where you want one of them in fantasy? I just looked it up right now. Zay Flowers is the projected wide receiver 46. Odell is behind him at 49, and Bateman's there at 54. So it is a situation where these are completely flipped because we have Bateman as yeah. the highest in the yardage prop. On the sports books, Odell in the middle, Flowers at yeah. the end. We have it totally reversed in the fantasy world. Are you buying, selling, or avoiding the fantasy situation of the, the ADPs? I'm buying Zay. Um, Still, even even though he's the highest one. Yeah, I'm buying Zay, and I would also probably buy Bateman. Um, Munkin throws the ball, man, and like you're gonna see Lamar try to open things up with his arm. Um, so I'm buying Zay because I just think that I just have an, I I have a very, my gut feeling is that Zay flowers and Andrews are the perfect complement to one another. And all of this buzz coming out of camp is, you know, sometimes it's coach talk. I don't like to buy into the hype too much. You get, you get hyped out of players. Like look at, you know, Gabe Davis last year was one of those, camp hype guys that just fell flat. I mean, it happens every year. However, Zay Flowers, I just think the fit is so good in that Ravers, Ravens offense and what they're trying to do. Um, I look at those numbers with Bateman, o- Odell, and Zay, and one of those guys is going to fall very far under. And to me, it's Odell. I just think um, he has never really bought in on being a great wide receiver. Like I want to be the best wide receiver ever. He's always been wanted to be a celebrity. Um, and I think we've heard that, you know, in multiple different cases, Hey, I knew him at LSU. Um, I, I've seen that type of behavior firsthand. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so like, 
for me, yeah, he could come in and have some good games. I just think that they're going to have so many weapons there, and Zay's going to work, Bateman's going to work, Odell's going to kind of be that odd man out. Um, I don't know. It, a lot of that is just feeling, so I want to see it live week one and two, but I think 500.5 is definitely a safe number to take over. Taking Zay where he's currently being drafted. Um, if I miss out on Elijah Moore, I'm looking at Zay as the next wide receiver to target kind of in that pocket. Nice. Okay. One other thing. I just I mentioned the rookie quarterbacks don't really support uh, good wide receivers. This year we have three starting rookie oh, quarterbacks to start. So let's just quickly yeah. review. We have Pittman, who is the most projected to do them, also the highest price. We also have Adam Thielen, who's probably the wide receiver one of the Panthers. You mentioned the Panthers' uh, receiving room is something that you found interesting. We also have probably Nico Collins as the wide receiver one in Houston. Yeah, you're shaking your head yes. Thielen is yeah. projected 550 50 yards. That is uh, kind of a joke. Uh, that is a horrendous season for Adam Thielen. I think Adam Thielen is a nice name. But then when I come and look at the prop market and I see what he's being priced at, I and then I know the history of how rookie quarterbacks support wide receivers, I want nothing to do with Thielen and fantasy. Uh, nothing. I actually think he's going still too high. He's probably going to be hanging out on the waiver wire later in the year. And then I look at Nico Collins. Nico's 650 or, or yeah, it's 650 on uh, Bet Rivers is actually the only place that has his um, – prop number and i'm like even 650 feels a little bit out of reach for a cj stroud led offense that's probably still going to feature a lot of dalton schultz in the in the tight end game a lot of damian pierce in the run game i i i don't i don't know how i feel about nico is there any wide receiver that you'd want to buy in that group are you selling all threes how do you feel about those lines i just gave out yeah i um i was i'm glad that we move back towards that because when you said that stat I immediately my brain started going through all the wide receiver rooms of the rookie quarterbacks and I'm a hard pass on all of them um that being said like and if we're talking best ball I think there's value taking a shot on someone like DJ Chark um he's got he's projected to have 48 and a half catches 675 and a half uh, yards and he's the wide receiver 65 so you can just get him so late you know I found myself stacking Bryce and DJ Chark late in best ball drafts just because you know it's one of those things like um, I think Young's been the QB 24 25 and underdog and late in the draft it's kind of just an easy stack you can throw together and say I do think Bryce Young is the best rookie quarterback. I think his brain and his football IQ is elite. And I think he's going to be a very good quarterback in this league. So you're going to see flashes of that this year. I mean, at Alabama, what stood him out from other Alabama quarterbacks is he would extend plays by getting out of the pocket. And then he was always finding the and making the right decision, um, finding the right receiver. So, you know, I think we're gonna have we're gonna see some of some flashes of Bryce Young being like, "Whoa, he's a future, you know, uh, a future franchise quarterback." Let's use the sports book to kind of indicate that the Panthers are the right choice in targeting a receiving room. So, one, I love the 
pointing out of Chark, right? Because I'm seeing on the on the spreadsheets, Thielen's like a 50, the 52nd ranked wide receiver. Chark is the 68th. But I think you just mentioned that Chark's receiver receiving prop is like 150 yards higher. So that's a nice yeah. market discrepancy. No? Yeah? No, it is. Yeah, it yeah. is. So that's a yeah. nice market discrepancy towards the over for Chark being the better option and him going way later. And then we go into, okay, is he the right rookie quarterback that we want to pair him with? Let's go over to NFL Rookie of the Year odds, right? We know Bijan's the clear favorite plus 300. Bryce Young comes in plus 400 as the second candidate, followed by the two other quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson, each plus 900. So according to the implied probabilities of these lines, Bryce Young has more than twice the likelihood that C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson ends up winning Rookie of the Year. If you choose the guy who's going to win Rookie of the Year out of the right of the QBs, you probably go out the one who did statistically the best. I mean, that's just one plus one equals two. So then you want to target that receiver room. You want to find a value. So moving through this exercise of where does their discrepancies in values, where is their things that are showing up in ADPs, it is a perfect room to say DJ Chark is actually a nice late round upside swing for redrafts for a dollar and a salary cap. If he ends up becoming the deep threat of a Bryce Young who actually is been told to be able to read defenses really well, and you even said that Bryce Young has a good brain and, and the way he's breaking it down, that could be what it leads to is that Bryce is able to hit DJ Chark on those deep balls when the defense, you know, misses an assignment here or there. And that could be, especially in an underdog format, you said best ball. That's why I brought up underdog, especially in a yep. best ball format where you just need the optimal score for the week. So you're picking off, you know, if you have that one deep ball and that goes for bomb touchdown four or five times throughout the year, those are pop-off weeks that are fantastic to get from a late-round best ball guy. I absolutely yeah. love the DJ Chark shout-out there. Yeah, and I want to talk about then going to the quarterbacks that we just talked to, talk uh, talked about. Yeah. Um, Bryce Young, DraftKings, 3,400 and a half uh, passing yards, 22 and a half passing touchdowns. Wow. See. CJ Stroud, 31, 25 and a half and 17 and a half uh, passing touchdowns. And then you have Anthony Richardson. Obviously, he's, you know, has the rushing threat. He's a rushing quarterback, but 2,600 and a half and 15 and a half passing touchdowns. So, you know, that is a pretty, um, he's got five touchdowns and 275 yards on Stroud. Um, and then 807 on uh, Richardson. So that is a lot that, to make up. And Richardson yeah. is being drafted so much higher. Yeah, it's his legs. Do you, um, do you like do you like Bryce Young as in like a two QB setting as it's as a guy absolutely. you could start as a second quarterback? Do you think that there's any world in Bryce becoming a top 12 where he could be drafted as a backup in a one QB league or no? I think that. His ceiling this year is there. Um, I'm totally comfortable if I miss out on the elite quarterbacks and I end up with a, say, Aaron Rodgers as wide receiver, I don't know, 14 to 16, I think is what is where he's going. Um, and I need to feel better about having a someone behind him. Bryce Young is a perfect guy to look towards. Um, you know, and I don't think the Panthers, they have a shot to win their division. So if Bryce Young plays extremely well, they're in the worst well, division in football. Yeah, they're in the worst division in football. They're they they have a you know a decent 
defense that's going to keep them in games. Um, and then you have, uh, you know, Miles Sanders. I'm not a huge on him, but they brought in a running back to pair with uh, Bryce Young that they intend on feeding uh, early and often. So, Miles drafting Miles Sanders breaks my one fan, my one rule of fantasy and sports betting. Let me tell you what it is, Mike. Gosh, it's the same thing as it's the same thing as taking Nikola Jokic for MVP in any future seasons. You cannot be rooting for the bet or the fantasy thing to hit more than the player themselves. So Miles Sanders came out, I think, at the beginning of last season being like, don't draft me in fantasy. I don't care about your fantasy league, all these things. He ended up crazy overperforming. But we have words from the horse's mouth that this man gives two shits about his stats, about your fantasy roster, about trying to do anything on any given week. He is team first. He got his money. Uh, it does indicate that they're going to play him and give him the ball and feature him in this offense. However, he doesn't give a shit, and therefore, he ain't going to be on my team. I'd rather let the type of guy, who Eckler, who's, you know, jumping on fantasy pods left and right. You'll probably hear Eckler on a fantasy roadshow in the next few years breaking some stuff down with you and Truck. So, uh, yeah. I, I actually... I, I can get behind some Bryce Young. I'm looking at the props. I see Tannehill has worse props than Bryce Young, and I'm just thinking in my mind, like, Tannehill was a very viable streamer the last few years. Like, he was a very plug-and-play in the right matchup. Uh, his advanced statistics were, honestly, Mahomes level at certain points. He didn't really have great receivers. He had A.J. Brown. Now he has Hopkins. Last year he had a, a bit of nobody. Um this could kind of be a spot start streaming situation. It could be a situation where we play Bryce a few times in DFS in the right matchups. Does Bryce have legs? Does he have? I know he's. I know he's small, yeah. but it, he doesn't have Kyler type legs, does he? Uh, no, not Kyler type. But he, I mean, I would say like Mahomes. You know how Mahomes okay. can yeah. get like serious yards with Mahomes his legs, can, like like when he waddles. Turn that. Yeah, yeah. Mahomes but doesn't he can really turn run. It. He kind of like penguins yeah. his way to the first down. My point is not like that type of – he can run, but it's like if he sees 15 yards out there, he can go and get that 15 yards. Right. You know what I mean? So He's not going to um, bury def- someone with the Daniel Jones shoulder. I think Daniel Jones is yeah. one of the riskiest quarterbacks in fantasy. I really like his upside uh, in the system and, and what he did last year with Dayball and Dayball's history with Josh Allen. But you see Daniel Jones just drop his shoulder and take on a linebacker. I'm like, dog – what are you doing? He also plays on um, the most injury-prone field in all of sports uh, in East yeah. Rutherford, Giant Stadium. And so I would, or MetLife now it's called, I would uh, heavily avoid Daniel Jones for those reasons. I'm on some Daniel Jones unders yeah. in the prop markets because his injury risk just feels so high. Yeah, um, yeah, no, that's probably, that, that's a good call. Um, but what I'm saying like with Bryce's brain is you see him, you see a, a play kind of get broken down and instead of, going first to his legs his he just sees how things he he intuitively feels how the 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 field is moving and it makes those plays with his arms when when with all right mike sorry my screen just froze i got your beautiful face mid sentence about um bryce young's brain so just pick up where you left off you're talking about bryce young's mental yeah. ability to see the game yeah so Play breaks down. He doesn't immediately go, oh, shit, tuck and run. He has that ability like Mahomes has to calmly let the let the play kind of play out, and he just sees he, – he, 
he has the IQ to see where that play is going to develop to and then makes that play with his arm. You just don't see that um, very often, staying calm, making the play with his arm. So that's all, you know, his next level brain and how he sees the field. So, um, yes, I, I would say that's a pretty good comparison. Hayden Hurst. That's actually kind of a sneaky name. So Hayden Hurst, when yeah. Hayden Hurst was on the Bengals, what, two years ago? Or was it last year yeah. that he was on the Bengals? Last two years year, ago? yeah. Last, Last year. year. Okay. Yep. So Hayden Hurst was a very sneaky, DFS, consistent uh, Bengals tight end plug. I also, the reason why I asked that question was because, one, I just I hadn't heard the name. I hadn't seen the name on any sheets anywhere. And then secondary is generally rookie quarterbacks like the security blanket of what a tight end provides. It is those over the field, uh, you know, six to seven yard routes that can be like almost dump off passes or just safe plays. So that could be a sneaky place to go grab some value. And I'm thinking if we're comparing him to Mahomes so much, I'm like, well, Mahomes has this secret part of his brain that just connects with Kelsey's secret part of his brain. And they just start figuring shit out and are just deviating from routes. Can Bryce start to, you know, take on some of that chemistry with some of his guys. He does have a very veteran tight end who's been around the block in some very big games in Hayden Hurst. It was a yeah. more of a receiving threat than a blocking threat. So that, that one sneaky yeah. interests me as a, you know, tight end too, late round pick. Yeah. Hurst has come out and he said too, he's like, I am ready to turn it on. Um, really? He, it, you like yeah, to he's, hear that. yeah. He's like, I'm ready to be relied on heavily in the passing game and be like a safety net that, like a, a safety net plus type, uh, you know, I'm, I'm there, but I also want to be a big part of this offense. So, um, yeah, you love to see that. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited. That's another reason why I like in that underdog best ball format is to grab Bryce young late is cause you can grab, you can, stack that. You can stack, you know, Chark or miss out on you know chark you still have the oppor- the, the option of hurst um, one thing in that offense terrence marshall got injured i don't know that the injury news came out but um you know there's another mouth that's i i think it was pretty serious so um anyways mingo we don't know what's going to happen with him as a rookie but yeah didn't mingo also recover from cancer in the offseason that was mechie on the oh. uh Mechie on the Texans. Texans. Yeah, Yeah, I knew it was a M receiver paired with a rookie quarterback. I brain fart on that one. Um, Are there any other situations? Do we want to quickly break down the rookie tight end landscape? Because everyone and their mom seems to be interested in a rookie tight end this year. I have trying to been beating the drum that that's generally one of the dumbest things you can do in fantasy. Um, Rookie tight ends never perform well. However, this year we have four that are seemingly... Uh, very interesting for people who think they're going to go late tight end and cheap tight end. It's Michael Mayer of the Raiders, Dalton Kincaid of the Bills, um, Sam Laporta of the Lions, and Luke Musgrave of the Packers. I just impressed myself that I just pulled that off. Um, Is there anyone, while I look up the quick props and, and I can tell you guys where these are all priced, who is the first one that you like in that group? Is there anyone at their given ADP that you see yourself pursuing? Or do you want to just also preach to the choir that finding a rookie tight end is a generally a fraught decision? Well, so I don't like Dalton Kincaid. I love Dalton Kincaid. Um, and that is because you can roster him as a tight end, but he's going to be used as a receiver. 
Um, he's going to be played in that Cole Beasley slot role where they are looking down the field, play nothing. You can't find anything deep on Diggs and Davis, and you start looking to Kincaid towards Kincaid to get that, you know, six yards and get the first down. So if he has like wide receiver hybrid numbers, he's immediately a top five um, tight end in my mind. So um, if that is the role, in fact, that they, uh, that they use for Kincaid, you're getting a tight end. You're getting a rookie tight end. Yes, but he's playing a completely different role than that, which like when Kasiki um, played the slot for the dolphins a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and being in a bills offense, um, you know, traded up to get him. They didn't add a Hopkins. They didn't add much to that offense this year to where um, Kincaid could be their number two receiving target. And if that's the case, um, there's going to be a huge, his, his, uh, his ceiling is just huge because, you know, yeah. w- wide receiver numbers in a tight end landscape where a lot of that middle tier is like what Goddard gets you 60 catches, 700 yards and three to four touchdowns. Um, that shouldn't be too hard for a guy that's lining up in the slot and has, I think he had a hundred percent snap, uh, with the first team. Yeah. So, I mean, in both positions, he didn't only play exclusively wide receiver. didn't only play exclusively tight end. They were shifting him around with the preseason starters. He played a hundred percent of the snap rates is, is what's his name still there? The, the guy, is it Knox? Knox is there, um, and he is a great blocking tight end, and he okay. does have some. Red, he does have a lot of red zone um, uh, compatibility with with, um, with Josh Allen. So I think he still will have. I mean, let's look at his numbers. I saw they've he been, had. A they've here. been so I couldn't find any of the rookie. I couldn't find any rookie tight end props on the market. They've yeah. been struggling to find that third receiver, whether it been like Isaiah McKenzie last year, or they brought in Cole Beasley for a little bit. They then brought him back. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders kind of did it really well for Josh Allen a few years ago. I had in my notes, Mike, I had from last season, at the end of the season, I take notes for, for some statistical anomalies. One of the notes that I had from my last season anomalies was that Gabe Davis's snap percentage compared to his actual production in that offense is not possibly replicable again. If he's going to play that much again, then Gabe Davis has to be better this year, right? He He's yeah. kind of someone that I have my eyes very heavily on in his little range. He's someone that I, if I'm getting Josh Allen, I'd love a stack. Should I be less enthusiastic about Gabe Davis because of the presence of Kincaid? Is there a situation where they're kind of all valuable at their given ADPs? I... I, yeah. I was just thinking of snatching up all of the Bills. Yeah, no, that's a great strategy. I personally think that the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. I think Josh Allen's going to be the overall number one fantasy player. Um, you know, Does that besides, mean MVP because I'm on his 8-1 to one MVP? I think he's going to win MVP. I Let's think, go! <laughs> I, I, think that, I think that season that we thought he was going to have last year, um, and then – you know, the, the, there's a little bit of personal issues that were going on uh, that was going on uh, a little bit of distraction. But then he heard he hurt. I, I actually I actually I want to go a little bit deeper into that because I don't think we can minimize that hurts his elbow yeah. has a game where the weather is so bad that they have to reschedule a home game and fly everyone to Detroit. And 
that's not just like a little scenario where you're worried about, you know, having one game. You're also having all of your family and friends and loved ones in Buffalo during a major fucking storm where it's really dangerous and emergency services were shut down and all these problems. So like just to simply pick up and go play an away game, it wasn't just that. Then you have a situation where their teammate DeMar Hamlin dies on the field and then is resuscitated and brought back to life. He's given CPR for nine minutes and then they, you could say what you want. You, they they tried to get the players to play in less time than Demar Hamlin was actually getting CPR. They ended up not playing the game and making the right decision. The coaches seemed to have stepped in and did the right thing there. That still doesn't change how dramatic that moment was. And then they go into the oh, your whole playoff implications might be decided by a coin flip because you have one less game, and we're trying to figure that out for all the last few weeks of the season. Their season was fucking nuts last year. On top yeah. of having a hurt elbow. Like, it was insane. Yeah. Diggs was throwing shit on the sidelines at the end. They could never figure out the, the the run game situation. They could never figure out the third receiver situation. The Bills should have, like, even though the Dolphins might have gotten better, even though the Jets might have gotten better, even though the Patriots might have gotten better, even though their <laughs> schedule is a bit tougher this year, the Bills are still one of the best teams in the league. They return Von Miller. They return Poyer. They return... Uh, I don't know why I'm spacing out the other safety. Um, who is it, Micah Hyde? Hyde, yeah. Yep. They return all of these guys who are vets, who are amazing players. And I think the Bills are going to put it all together this year. So I'm completely with yeah. you. Snatch up all the Bills. Buy them in their futures market. Buy them yeah. in fantasy. This is going to be a stat-stuffing team. Yeah, and I, I there was – I don't know if you heard the rumors in his personal life, what he was dealing with as well, but that – I'm not on – I'm not trying to go on a podcast and talk rumors We're about, gonna have to talk his, on, we'll talk about his air, personal I life. Don't, I don't care talking yeah. about it, so I'll say it yeah. on the next spot if you don't want to hear. Well, <laughs> so, so supposedly he – the night before the playoff game against the Bengals, and this had kind of been going on all season, he um, – but this is that's when it finally blew up. He supposedly knocked up a a Buffalo uh, bartender, and his long term girlfriend, who he lived with, found out about it. And the police went to his house uh, the night before the Bills uh, Bengals playoff game, and he like left the house and stayed in a hotel that night. Like wow. it, supposedly like there was a pretty big blow up and that's why he's now single. And he came out before the season and talked about his personal life and how he's fully focused on football this year. So not only did he have all of that going on, um, uh, there was a pretty serious, um, you know, he was dealing with a lot in a his personal life case in, in the personal life. Yeah. And you know, I think that like I I've talked, to some people in Buffalo and in like whatever. And then they also had, um, when they came to Chicago, they weren't able to go home for Christmas. Um, they played in Chicago and then their flights all got canceled. So they spent Christmas Eve in Chicago. Um, and I actually was at a bar in Chicago and ran into the entire coaching staff. Um, and that, you know, they, that's just another thing that happened to them throughout that season. That's like what's going on here. But anyways, yeah, Gabe Davis. Um, I think like, I love when, as I talked about earlier, he was super hyped up and everyone was all over Gabe Davis last year. Well, now 
there's a drop in ADP because so many people got burned on him. That, that's baked into his current ADP. So you take, not to mention his ankle last year. He hurt his ankle in like week four and was never the same since then. So now you have a fully healthy Gabe Davis. You have a bunch of, you have the, the market sour on him all baked into his ADP in what I think is going to be by far the best offense. So Gabe Davis is a buy. Kincaid's a buy. Diggs is a buy. James Cook's a buy. Um, totally agree. We're on the same page. I'm just trying to pull up. Like, Diggs's uh, player props is, like, the same as Michael Thomas, but I'm sure he's got more touchdowns. Uh, he's definitely got a, a attractive look. He's the same as Debo Samuel. Like, maybe Debo's going to get some of the rushing stuff, but that's – super alarming he's right around the same as deandre hopkins he's right around the same as mark andrews drake london so all these guys who are going significantly higher dj moore all these guys who are going significantly higher than gabe davis and yet davis is in one of the most powerful offenses which should be a lot less distractions i think the few things that you added on that i had no idea about might have been the biggest distractions besides the Demar Hamlin situation of everything. I mean, that's pretty crazy to deal with. Um, that yeah. doesn't just go away when the football gets snapped. So we've we've saw this in the NBA when we heard about Budenholzer lost his brother sadly in a car accident a few days before during the Heat Bucks series, and the Bucks were an abject disaster. They had no adjustments. They had no substitution patterns. There's the in between game time planning was completely screwed up for a bootenholzer. So for a Josh Allen, if he's switching hotel rooms and he's not getting as much sleep, and then if he's constantly having to worry about it, and he's looking at his phone and texting, he's spending less time in his playbook. All of these things make your stress levels and your rest levels and your prep levels to be way skewed off from what the, just the public perception is, and a lot of those things kind of stay hidden and, and under the radar. Like, I watch Pat McAfee all the time, Mike, and I have ne- they talk about so much shit that happens in the NFL. I have heard nothing about this, this scandal with Josh Allen. Maybe I miss an episode here or there, but, like, you would have thought that that would have been pretty mainstream, and that seems like a big deal that kind of just got swept under the rug, so I hope all is well for them. But in a football sense, that certainly impacts what production is going to come on the field. Um are there any other players that you feel that we need to talk about before we get out of here? Yeah, so um, I just want to – we can quickly talk through this. I wanted to um, highlight a couple of my favorite uh, my favorite prop numbers, um, whether that's yeah. an over and under. So I love the under on Rashad Penny. It's at 600.5 right now. Um, and – if Penny was fully healthy and the guy in the Eagles, he smashes that number. His efficiencies are, are, are outstanding, right? Um, well, I think that Gainwell is going to be a lot bigger part of that offense um, than the fantasy market originally thought, and I think some of that's starting to come to light. Um, to be honest, like Gainwell was gaining a lot of traction late in the season in the playoffs, the playoffs. And, playoffs yeah. and the Super Bowl, and um, – Adding Swift and Penny, that was kind of the whole conversation, right? It was like, well, then why would they go out and add Swift and Penny? Because they got them for nothing, right? Both <laughs> like of you those got, are, are, are you got, litter of pennies on the dollar. Why the fuck not? We could cut yeah. them with no cost, no, no pressure off our backs. There's literally no downside to those deals. And what you were saying about Gabe Davis, where he was a hype guy last season who's just being swept under the rug this season – 
Yeah. I was personally burned by DeAndre Swift last season, spending like $45 on him in an auction draft for him just not to return anything. He's another name that's going to be six, seven, eight bucks. Like, why not? Like, what has changed that drastically in the last year? He switched teams to another team that should be a great offensive line and a rush first offense, right? With a little bit of in his hometown around him. In his yeah. home, like there are some. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because you know Meek and Harden are there. Um, so, like, we'll we'll see what happens. But I love I love to buy you selling a running back over. So, I I mean, I love running back unders. So, if you're going to say, give me this running back under, I'm all with it. Try and sell me on yeah. another one. Um, so, here, I'm going to try to sell you on an over. Um, and that's Elijah Moore. His, he, his numbers are set at 45.5 receptions and 575.5 um, uh, yards and I am just I just think like he's gonna have a huge year I think that you know I do like DPJ as um as a receiver and he's done well there but I think Eli Moore is gonna be a huge part of this offense another guy you see lining up in the backfield um I just think the Browns are gonna take a huge step forward Deshaun Watson's such a talented quarterback and had the ability to knock off some of that rust last year and then have an entire off season of, you know, Amari Cooper, Nick Chubb, um, Eli Moore. I really like Eli Moore's overs. Um, and, um, you've also heard Stefanski come out today and say that Elijah Moore reminds him of coaching Percy Harvin, how he was able to just put Percy everywhere on the field. And then of course, Cooper came out and said that they could have a Tory Holt, um, Isaac Bruce type uh, one-two punch uh, with the way that they're playing together in camp. So I just love all the news around Elijah. I loved his talent. I always have. So giving him another opportunity, almost like a rebirth, I just love his overs. I'm with you. That's a If you feel like Eli Moore is going to be a part of the Browns offense, that's an easy over. If you, I agree. For me, I don't have too strong of an opinion. My opinion is that I bet the Browns to win the division. So maybe that could be, if it hits over, it's good news for both of us. So yeah. I would be, I'm, I'll sit that one out on the sidelines and just say, yeah. I mean, that's an easy over if he's part of the offense. So your projection on it's completely right. The news on it seems completely right. You seem like you're buying the line at the right time, considering that has not jumped at all. DPJ's prop is significantly higher than, than Eli Moore. So if Moore's being talked about as the number two or in a, you know, gadget type role then that's very uh entertaining i'll yeah. try and sell you on one quickly Derek yeah. carr over 22 and a half passing touchdowns or justin herbert over 29 and a half passing touchdowns for me those are both uh easily cleared if the guy does not get hurt like i love i love the herbert one yeah yeah the the, the mahomes <laughs> the mahomes touchdown one and a lot of these quarterback props are priced in with potential injury things and playing like 14 games on on maybe on average last year we only had nine of the 32 quarterbacks play all 17 games so just slapping quarterback overs because you think they stay healthy is actually not the smart thing to do um so i'm i'm on a few quarterback unders i'm on wilson's under i already talked about daniel jones's under but we talked out up herbert and herbert i saw herbert take a massive rib shot in week two on thursday night last year only Incredible. to play with no receivers for the rest of the season and still be dropping dimes. For me, Incredible. Herbert is easily clear, easily clearing 
29 passing touchdowns if he stays healthy like it is not even close and when the odds are giving you this minus 110 so it's essentially being priced as a 50 50 the the truth is it's a 52.38 hit rate needed to be profitable so that's the price that you so if you start to bake in what's the chance of injury affecting the price they are pricing the chance of injury as way too high so i think for Derek carr i think for herbert two guys who i've watched be some of the toughest guys in the NFL, two guys who are on teams who should have offensive lines, who should be trying to move the ball quickly. Those are two that I really liked in terms of the over market. Yeah, I love that. Um, And then I want to add in Trevor Lawrence over 25 and a half to that as well. Um, I just think that offense is going to take a big step forward. He had 25 last year when he wasn't really efficient throwing the ball in the red zone. So I just think the Jags take a step forward. I think they're in a pretty bad division this year um so anyways i wanted to add lawrence to that okay and then let me ask you let me ask you one quickly mike we just talked about herbert we just talked about lawrence these two names are very interesting because they are two of the biggest names that have climbed up the mvp draft board so okay herbert is now nine to one and uh lawrence is now 16 to one so lawrence is the same as lamar He's uh, the same as Rodgers. He's above Justin Fields. So Lawrence has shot up, and even Herbert is above Jalen Hurts. He, so have we missed the boat on both of these guys from an MVP escalator play? And But yeah. it shows that we probably should be buying them from a fantasy perspective, right? I agree, yeah. Um, if, the, if the Chargers win the division – and they get a one-two seed, then is Herbert going to be the MVP? Probably. So let me ask. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. You're speaking my fucking language. You would rather play Chargers twelve to one to be the number one seed instead yes. of Herbert nine to one to be the MVP. Yeah, I just think that if they are the one seed, Herbert's going to be MVP. Or if, if Herbert wins MVP, they're going to be the one seed, right? So yeah. give me that twelve to one. And is that crazy to say? No, they have the talent there. Like, Herbert is that good. <laughs> right. Um, and in terms of having all the intangibles at quarterback, you talked about that rib injury. He was in the pocket, throwing fucking dimes, taking hits, not flinching. Like Dude, He's an animal. Yeah. Um, so, and he's got better hair than you. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, what a stud. And he's got a you lot more money. Mike's got great hair. It was, a, it was a compliment, but Herbert and Lawrence are both 1-2 on the quarterback uh, hair scale. Um, the, the other way about that, Mike, is that Lawrence is a 16 to one for MVP. And I think we're in agreement where if the Jaguars, they're in a really weak division with Colts, Texans, Titans around them. If they got the number one seed, the Titans got the number one seed just two years ago. So I think there is a world in which the Jaguars can get a number one seed. If they get a number one seed, then Trevor Lawrence is probably the MVP. But we look at that and the odds are flipped where the Jaguars are 12 to one, same as the Chargers to be the number one seed. But Herbert's, I mean, Lawrence is 16 to one to an MVP. So the way to bet these things is to take 12 to one Chargers to be the number one seed and to take 16 to one Lawrence to win MVP and then maybe there's a world where you split the fucking difference and Herbert ends up being the one seed, Lawrence ends up being the two seed, but gets the MVP and you hit both. That's kind of the way I would approach these future markets. And then in a fantasy sense, you got to see that these guys are priced above uh, fields, above Lamar Jackson. And I know that those guys run a lot, but if these guys break into the MVP conversation, then they are 
in the elk of them homes and burrow and what they're doing in fantasy and some of the most consistent fantasy qb options so those at their yeah. price both seem to be intriguing options yeah i mean herbert in a six point touchdown league like come on he's gonna he's gonna i, I firmly think he's gonna have 35 plus passing touchdowns so yeah um anyways yeah, yeah. You, you say 35 plus i bet out of all those props i bet that herbert over 29 and a half was by far the biggest bet i made yeah, no, I, I think, you know, I think you'll see if, if someone's going to get 40 this year, I'm not surprised if it's Herbert. Um, super quick, Pacheco under 775 and a half yeah. um, rushing yards. Yeah. Again, like before Clyde got injured, he was a part of that offense. You're hearing him taking first team reps. Like, I think a lot of that Pacheco ADP and that's that uh, that rushing total is because he won the Super Bowl and he was the lead back in the Super Bowl, right? Uh, you saw McKinnon. Everyone's talking about how running backs don't get paid, and they're all like, "Look at Pacheco! Look at Pacheco! He won a Super Bowl as a seventh round rookie." Blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah. And everyone's like boosting up Pacheco as a way to talk down Jonathan Taylor. Like, let's not get it twisted. Yeah. Yeah, not so for me. It's not so fast. Um, Pacheco may get like first carry out of the game, but they're going to be using three running backs. Daneric Prince is someone that they've liked in camp um, as well. So I, I just I'm not sold that Pacheco is going to have really even close to a bell cow. Uh, he's just not. He's RB one in a, in a team that's going to use definitely use three running backs so yeah and then there's uh, injury injury risk yeah Yeah. yeah that's also a great one so i think the ones to summarize as we get out of here mike uh herbert's over touchdowns pacheco's under uh yards rushing Ramondre's under 1,000 yards as the, the discrepancy between the FanDuel 850 and the DraftKings 1,000. Um, buying on the overs of some someone like Derek Carr and his rushing touchdowns. Zay Flowers, the 500 yards. But we are buying Zay Flowers, not only his prop, but also his ADP. So that means that the prop becomes a smash because it's so mispriced. Um, Elijah yeah, Moore. Yeah, Elijah Moore. And then, of course, there's some escalators way to do this. We talked about the the one seed versus the MVP odds. So if you really like one of the angles that we talked about, start to look about how you play that from an escalator perspective. How you say, okay, if this really hits, if Mike and Mike – are we the new Mike and Mike? Did I? Mike and Mike, yeah. Holy shit. Mike and Mike on the mic, yep. There we go. Uh, so we're the new Mike and Mike. ESPN will be hiring us soon. We'll be going on a 10-year streak where then we later become enemies as Bullock and Greeny are. <laughs> um, all right, Mike, thank you for the time. We crushed it. This was in like an hour and a half pod for the people. I thought it went great. Uh, super valuable to have you on and start breaking down this information. Not only the stuff that we gave out, but the idea and philosophy about how we start to go and look about these. You can then apply these principles to any receiver room, to any running back situation, to any way and kind of dice out how you actually feel because the market is being reflective of these things yeah so thank you so much for having me on i had such a blast mike and mike we need to make this a uh we need to make this a thing can you quickly Um, tell everyone where they can find you what your twitter handle is your podcast again all that stuff and then i want to remind everyone a few things too but you go first 
Yeah, at Coles underscore sports, um, at Fantasy Roadshow on Twitter. Um, yeah, come follow me. Uh, we're Mike and Mike is going to hook up in the future. Um, you know, a lot more. We're going to we're going to probably be producing some content out of the um, out of the high stakes league auction league. Um, so come take down Mike and Mike in that, and uh, let's have some fun. If you think you can beat us. We look forward to finding out. If you think you can just listen to all that we just said and then use our secrets against us, that you for sure can. So uh, I think the biggest thing about this is no one draft Gerald Everett. He's mine. No one draft Dalton Kincaid's. He's Mike's. But for the rest, you can come play us in a high-stakes fantasy league. If you want to be part of that league, reach out to me at Fiddlespicks on Twitter. I also released a Substack, which I should start promoting more regularly. I totally forgot about that. So for listeners, I released a gambling newsletter where I'm going to start sending out not only some picks, but just some general market summaries about what's happening, these odds discrepancies, the way the numbers are shifting throughout the week. So make sure you subscribe to the Fiddles Picks Substack, join the Sports Ethos Wagering and Discord channel, find Mike on Twitter, YouTube, podcasts, Spotify, everywhere, and we look forward to doing more. I owe Mike and his uh, co-host Truck an hour and a half of my time and do a little home and home. I'll even give you guys two, three hours. We will be (laughs) sure to do more things throughout the season. This was a blast. And as always, peace out.